Good morning. This morning, if you have a Bible with you, I would like you to turn in your Bible to the Gospel of John and chapter 3. We are going to continue this morning in our study of the Gospel of John. If you are watching by video for the very first time, maybe you're just visiting or you've come upon our uh, uh, service this morning, I am preaching through the Gospel of John section by section, and this morning we come to one of the most famous sections in the entire Gospel of John, and that is John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. John chapter 3 and verses 16 through 21. And what I want to do this morning is just read that for you, and then we'll come back and look at it. We read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Well, our first point this morning is God sent his Son. As you may know, John 3.16 is one of the most precious and well-loved verses in the entire Bible. As I said at the end of last week's message, my guess is most of you, maybe not all of you, but most of you, have memorized John 3.16 in one English version of the Bible or another. This morning I am reading from the English Standard Version, and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, there is somewhat of a debate around verse 16, actually verses 16 through 21. You may not be aware of this debate, um, but nonetheless, if you ever do an in-depth study of the Gospel of John, you will come across this. And the debate is this. Did Jesus speak these words in John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21? Or does his conversation with Nicodemus end at verse 15? And this is simply the commentary, the Holy Spirit-inspired, exalted commentary of the Apostle John. That's the debate. And so on the one side, there are those who say that verses 16 through 21 is a continuation of, of the conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus. So the conversation with Nicodemus goes from verse 1 through verse 21. The other point of view is that Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus ends at verse 15, and verses 16 through 21 are the commentary, again, the Holy Spirit-inspired commentary of the Apostle John. It's as if he breaks into this exaltation of God so loved the world. Now, what's interesting is I I read a lot of different commentaries on this. And 
they are pretty evenly divided between the two points of view. Um, so it's kind of a 50-50 split, and that's something I really didn't realize before, but is interesting. But here's, well, let me say this, in, in a sense it really doesn't matter which side you take, because this is the inspired word of God. These are the words that the Holy Spirit gave us in his inspired, inerrant word. So in that sense, the debate really doesn't matter. I just wanted you to be aware of it. But I also wanted to say this. All of the commentaries, all of them, are fully in agreement with the fact that verses 16 through 21, if you're to fully understand them, you must understand the first 15 verses. The verses 16 through 21 are directly connected and based on verses 1 through 15. So, as I mentioned at the end of my message last week, you will never understand John 3.16 in all of its fullness without first understanding John 3, 1 through 15. I don't know if you've ever thought of that. But as wonderful, as amazing as John 3.16 is, you will never understand all of it in all of its fullness until you first grasp those first 15 verses. If you remember, in those first 15 verses, we learned that Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus. And he tells Nicodemus, this Pharisee, this ruler of the Jews, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Of God, Unless one is born from above, lest one is born of God, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He says, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, he tells Nicodemus. Unless you are born of the Holy Spirit, unless you are regenerated, unless you are recreated, unless you are supernaturally washed by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God, Nicodemus. And in verse 13, Jesus makes this bold statement that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of Man. He says, no one, he tells Nicodemus, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Nicodemus, the reason I am able to tell you all of these things, that you must be born again, that you must be born of the Holy Spirit, is because I've come down from heaven. I'm the Son of Man. The term the Son of Man has all kinds of messianic implications, as I shared with you last week. We find that term in the New Testament quite a bit. And we find it in the Old Testament, especially in the Old Testament book of Daniel in the last half of the book of Daniel. And then in verses 14 and 15, Jesus says to Nicodemus, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. The Son of Man, the Messiah, must be lifted up. He must be crucified. He must rise from the dead so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. How can this be? How can this be that a man must be born again? How can this be that a man must be born of the Holy Spirit? How can it be that the Messiah must be lifted up so that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in the crucified Son of Man, 
may have eternal life. Here's why. Here's why, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, verse 16 is drawn directly from those first 15 verses. For God so loved the world. God loves the people of this world. Now, when it says God so loved the world, we always, and I've shared this with you before, we always have to be careful with the word world because the word world can be used in different ways in the New Testament. For example, in 1 John, the epistle of 1 John, written by the apostle John, the same writer here, in 1 John 2.15, John says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love other is not in him. And now he says, for God so loved the world. Well, in 1 John 2.15, he uses the world to speak of the world's philosophy, that secular worldview that this temporal world, this earthly world has that denies God, that doesn't acknowledge God. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Here the world is used in an entirely different way. Here it is used in John 3.16 to speak of all mankind. That God loves the people he created. Even though they are fallen, even though they are sinful, even though they have rebelled against him, he loves them. He loves them with this everlasting love. For God so loved the world. The world here can also be used to refer to the fact that God loves people everywhere. He loves people from every tribe and language and people and nation. He loves people from every people group. John 3.16 is a great missionary verse. We always need to keep that in mind. And again, that's why verses 1 through 15 are so important. Jesus is speaking in verses 1 through 15 to Nicodemus. He is speaking to a Pharisee. He is speaking to a scribe he is speaking to a member of the Sanhedrin Nicodemus would have believed that salvation was primarily if not exclusively for the Jews but John 3:16 says no not just for the Jews it is for the Jews but it's for the whole world from people from every people group for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and again only son here takes us right back to verses 14 and 15 actually verses 13 through 15 it's the crucified son of man it's the messiah that's his only son the one who must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life for god so loved the world that he gave his only son the second person of the trinity john 1 1 for the word was with God and the word was God this logos this Messiah 
This son of man who is going to be lifted up, he is the only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him, whoever believes in the crucified son of man, should not perish, but have eternal life. Oh, if you believe in him, if you trust him as Lord and Savior, you will not perish, but have eternal life. Perish means everlasting, never-ending judgment and condemnation. It is the antonym of eternal life. Just as eternal life is never-ending and everlasting, so perish means that the punishment will be everlasting and never-ending. Ah, but if you believe in him, the only Son of God that God sent when his love, you will not perish. You will not perish, but have eternal life. That brings us to a beautiful thought this morning. Jesus came into this world to provide a full and free salvation to all who believe. Let me say that again. Jesus came into this world to provide a full and free salvation to all who believe. Oh, verse 17, to me, is just as beautiful and just as precious as verse 16. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Aren't you glad for that? Jesus, let's establish this fact this morning. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. Jesus came into the world that we might be saved through him, through our belief in him. Let's establish that truth. That Jesus, when he came into this world, born in Bethlehem, when he came into this world, he came to provide salvation for all who will believe in him. Oh, when we talk about God's love, we say that love is not his only attribute. God has many attributes. He is justice. He is mercy. He is righteousness. He is holy. But even though love is not his only attribute, it is his attribute. He is a God of love. He is a God of perfect and holy love. And his love sent Jesus into the world so that we might be saved through our belief in him. Oh, please understand this morning that the heart of God, at the very center of the heart of God, is God longs, He longs for people from every tribe and language and people and nation to come to him, to come to him in salvation so that they might worship him, so that they might bring glory to him, so that they might live with him in everlasting joy. Oh, we think of that great section of scripture in Revelation chapter 5 where the four living creatures and the 24 elders fall before the slain lamb and worship him and exalt him 
And in Revelation 5, 9, we read, And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Oh my. We know that God's longing, his heart to see people saved from every people group is going to come true. It is going to come to a great and ultimate and exalted fulfillment we know that's going to be happened because we see it in the future in revelation chapter 5 and verse 9 how can this be how can we know that this is going to come to fulfillment here's how we know for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And that brings us to our second point, and that is already condemned. I want you to think of something with me this morning that perhaps you haven't thought of in this way before. Before Jesus ever came into the world, men and women were already condemned to eternal punishment. Before Jesus ever came into the world, men and women were already condemned to eternal damnation and eternal punishment. That's why Jesus came, to rescue us, to save us from eternal punishment and eternal damnation. That's the whole point of verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Those poisonous snakes in Numbers chapter 21 that were biting the people, and many of them had died, and those who were yet to die cried out to Moses for God to save them, and God provided a solution. He provided a remedy to save them and to heal them. The whole point is, if God didn't provide the remedy, they were going to die, and so it is with us. We were headed for eternal damnation, for eternal judgment. But God sent Jesus into the world to rescue us and to save us. Look at verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe, watch this, is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. Oh, praise God for that. We, if you know him as Savior, if you've received him as Savior and Lord, you will never be condemned. You will never face the eternal wrath and judgment of God. But whoever does not believe in Jesus is condemned already. As one writer said, you're already as good as condemned. Even though that your ultimate condemnation will not come to the fi- until the final judgment, if you reject the love of God in sending his only son into the world, you are already condemned. Why? Because you have not believed in the name of the only son of God. You see, here's the picture 
It's not like we were in the middle and we could have believed or not believed. That's not the picture at all. The picture is we were perishing. We were headlong, headed toward eternal condemnation and Jesus came and provided a way out. He provided a way of salvation for those, for those who will believe. John Piper puts it this way. Jesus did not come to a neutral world with the result that some people moved from neutrality to be anti-Jesus and others moved from neutrality to be pro-Jesus. Nobody was neutral. Nobody is neutral. We have all sinned. We are all guilty. We are all perishing. Therefore, we are all under God's righteous wrath and we are already, and we are already condemned. That verse is so important because verses 19 through 21 flow directly from verse 18. In verse 19, it says, and this is the judgment, the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Here's the judgment. Here's the judgment of God. The light has come into the world. Who's the light? Jesus is the light. He's the light of the world. He's the Messiah. He's the crucified Son of Man that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. He is God's only Son that he sent into the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Here's the judgment. Light has come into the world. The light of the world has come into the world. But people loved, they loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. People chose to remain in their sin rather than coming to the salvation that God has so freely provided for us by his grace and mercy. And verse 19 says, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. And does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. Strong language here. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. They don't want to come into the light. Because if they come into the light, it will show them that they are sinful and in desperate need of a savior. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and we rejected it. Some have not believed. Some have chosen to remain in their own darkness. Oh, let me say to all of us, every one of us, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, when you sense the Holy Spirit convicting you of your sin and that Jesus came to save you, do not reject him. Do not reject the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It is a dangerous thing. It is a fearful thing. When you sense that work of the Spirit, see, see with open eyes and heart the great love and salvation of God in Christ. Well, verse 21 says, But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. But whoever does what is true comes comes to the life. Here's the key phrase there. What, whoever does what is true, what does that mean? Well, it means, it literally means whoever acts in accordance with the truth. 
Here's what it means, and forgive me for repeating this again. This is why verses 1 through 15 are so important. That's why it's so wonderful when we work our way through an entire book of the Bible and see the connection and the context of these verses. Whoever does what is true is the person who is born again. Whoever does what is true is the person who is regenerated, who is reborn by the work of the Holy Spirit. Whoever does what is true is the person who believes in the crucified Son of Man and believes in him for eternal life. Whoever does what is true is the one that sees God loves him so much that he gave his only Son, and so he believes in him. He believes in Jesus so that he will not perish but have eternal life. He's the one that does what is true. He yields. He humbles himself. He is broken before the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. And he comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Here's another way we could say that. So that it can be seen that everything he does is by the grace of God. So that it can be seen that he has been reborn and that all he has and all he is 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 because of the grace of God so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God, in God. Well, let me bring this all together this morning. I want to give you a very important biblical and theological truth as we close. And the truth is this. Sin and rebellion come from the heart of man. But love and grace come from the heart of God. Sin and rebellion come from the heart of man, but love and grace come from the heart of God. In Christ, God has fully provided for our salvation. Jesus in his death and resurrection, the Messiah, the Son of Man, in his death and resurrection, has fully provided for your salvation. It's all done. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. And now it is a free gift. A free gift to all who will believe. But if you don't believe, if you don't believe, you will receive God's punishment and God's condemnation because you rejected his love. He loved you. He reached out to you. He sent his son into the world that we might be saved through him. If you reject that love, you will. You will receive God's punishment and condemnation. I have entitled this message, Do You Believe in the Son of God? And that is really what verses 1 through 21 of John chapter 3 are all about. Do you Believe in the Son of God. How can we say that Jesus provided everything for our salvation? It's finished. He's done it all. And all we need to do is receive it as a free gift. All we need to do is believe. How can we make that claim? Here's why. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you sent your only son into the world, that you so loved that you provided a full and free salvation. That whoever believes in Jesus will not, will not perish. But have eternal, everlasting life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh Lord, thank you that you did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. But that you sent him into the world that we might be saved through him. We are forever, forever grateful for your salvation in Christ. For we pray in his name. Amen.